Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Hungry for More. I'm your host, Al Smith, the Pipe Padre. And uh, don't be alarmed by the set uh, when you see my motorcycle helmet that says loud pipes save lives. Um, somebody said I had a good set of pipes years ago. <laughs> Maybe it's talking about my voice and not a motorcycle. But uh, anyway, I digress. We're going to have a great show today. We're going to be talking about questions questions and more questions and uh, the beautiful questions that our Lord asked us and uh, my good friend Robert LeBlanc I want to say Robert LeBlanc um, again it's always um, in Canada we have two official languages French and English so uh, when you have friends that have a French background you get it right and you call them Robert and uh, so we'll get it right today but uh, Robert is going to join us uh, talk about his new book and uh, we're going to talk about men's ministry. We're going to talk a bit about uh, uh, this whole new wave of uh, Catholic conferences. Uh, Robert was uh, one of the featured speakers at a beautiful Smart Catholic conference a little while ago. We'll talk about that, um, you know, um, endeavor. And because it's an ongoing endeavor, this internet uh, broadcasting is here to stay. And so uh, we're going to do a lot more of that. So let's begin, as we always do, with a beautiful prayer uh, from St. Teresa of Avila. And I'll ask my producer, Kent Kowalski, to bring that up on the screen. And we'll begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Nothing is wanting to him who possesses God. God alone suffices. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Those words of St. Teresa of Avila are very appropriate today. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. I want to bring onto the screen my good friend and uh, fellow Canadian, uh, Robert LeBlanc. And um, uh, Robert um, and I go back many years, and uh, Robert has been a school teacher here in Canada for a number of years. He is uh, a bit of a lay evangelist. I think that's the uh, terminology we use today. I'm a lay evangelist. Robert is a lay evangelist. But we're just two men trying to share the love of Christ with those we encounter. So uh, welcome to the show, uh, Robert. Thank you very much, Al. It's uh, a very humble pleasure to have been invited to, to be here with you today. And like you say, just so, so appropriate that prayer from St. Teresa of Alhaya 
to today. Uh, and, and I know I get very flustered when things aren't just falling into place and constantly need to remember, you know, don't worry, don't worry. The yes. Lord will look after things. So. True, true. Uh, technology is a blessing and a curse. Um, but I always think if you've got something good to say for the Lord, uh, the devil usually tries to throw a little wrench in there. And uh, it just seems that, uh, you know, our history seems to be always at the last minute. Uh, the devil just unplugs a cord or disconnects a microphone. I don't know what it is, but uh, we still get to air. So thank you to everyone who uh, was patient and uh, waited out for our little delay. Uh, again, thank you. Uh, you will be rewarded, I'm sure by what we'll share today. So, uh, Robert, let's talk about a few things. Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. you're a book writer, you're an internet um, uh, artist, I want to say. We're all artists, <laughs> uh, you know. And uh, maybe you could just, uh, you know, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. A little and, bit about um, myself. Yeah. Well, and we'll, we'll give you that one, Robert, that you had right off at the top of the at the top of the show and that's uh, uh i always want to say it's a, a bit of a bane of my existence uh, i grew up in the toronto area so a predominantly english-speaking area but I, I grew up with a francophone name uh and it was funny when i've gone in when i lived in france when i lived in belgium it's like you know how is it possible a guy with the name robert leblanc but he's he's an anglophone uh and so it's just been constantly through my life just politely always saying robert robert and, and it's usually pretty good so uh yeah so so many different kind of ministries i guess that you were talking about uh, just celebrated this week 25 years in catholic education um which i'm very very proud of it's uh an ongoing challenge but it, it's i i love it and uh, i've been finding recently because of the pandemic and being out of the classroom but still teaching i, I really miss being with the students. I really miss opening up the, the, the scriptures for them. Uh, and it's been quite a vocation that way. And it's since then kind of shifted uh, into the internet sphere as well uh, with the Catholic moment. And that was something that percolated for years and years and years. And I wanted to start on the French side, uh, just explaining the Catholic faith. And I think, well, okay, if I'm doing one language, I might as well do both of them. Uh, and that started to come about last year. Uh, well, it's been about a year that I, I've been doing the short little five to, to seven minute videos on that. And, uh, and if you were to go back through YouTube, you see the first ones are pretty rough, pretty rough. It's like anything when we're, when we're starting out, we've got to learn what we're doing. And uh, I got in touch with a, a friend at Salt Mike Media, a producer there, and I said, like, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. I need help. I need help and, and he really got me going on the the right direction and through time and as things have gone have that but uh it, it's growing and it's growing uh and recently was also invited to speak at the the smart catholics conference the and like you say it just seems to have been like a wave of these these conferences there was the theology of the body then there was the smart catholics then the, the chastity one this past weekend uh our seminary in Toronto has been putting a, a great one, a, a Pentecost Novena, and their teaching staff have been putting out uh, a half hour video each day for, for that. Uh, and, and it's fantastic, but sometimes I think, okay, it's, I'm hitting saturation. I, I can't take any more in. Uh, 
and writing has always been a passion. So you, you mentioned the book, uh, who do you say that I am and other questions that Christ asks us. Uh, and I originally started off writing fiction. I started off writing fiction 20, 25 years ago. Uh, and some of it was kind of a little bit loosely based on, on scripture, but it never really went anywhere. And then finally just put that aside. And there was one day, and, and I always, when I, when I tell the story about the book, I, I start saying, God is good. Our, our God is a good God because only our God, only God can take a trip to Ikea and turn it into a book. Right? And what happened was I was, I was sent on a mission. There was a, it was a rainy Saturday afternoon and I was told we need red seat cushions for the kitchen chairs. Off you go to Ikea. And the Ikea from where we are, we're out in the suburbs of Toronto, Ikea is about a 45 minute to an hour drive. And whenever I'm in the car for that long, I'll pop in a, a Lighthouse Catholic Media CD. And the one I put in that day was a, a talk by, at that time it was Father Robert Barron, it's now Bishop Robert Barron. Uh, and I can't even remember the title of the talk, but part of it he was talking about when Christ encountered the, the blind beggar Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus crying out, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. And Christ's response, Jesus' response to, to Bartimaeus was, what do you want me to do for you? And Father Barron said, you know, wouldn't that make a great day-long retreat just to look at the questions that Christ asks us in Scripture? That was five, five almost six years ago now. And so I thought, yeah, that would be a great thing to do, to, to look at the, the questions that Christ asks us. And I didn't start working on, on it right away, but the more that this notion of question started percolating in, in my head, and I got thinking on this idea of you know, Christ asking us these questions, and I started to realize it's, it's really through question and answer that we grow in relationship with each other, that we get to know each other. A uh, perfect example is what we're doing here this evening that yes. we'll we'll be asking questions back and forth and and it's in the the introduction to the book i thought back to uh, one time we had just bought our, our first home and we had golden retriever and a neighbor had golden retriever so we would go out and, and we would walk and they were part of the church we were part of the church he was a habs fan i was a habs fan you know it was it was a great relationship uh can still get along with leafs fan that's uh I know, I know you're one. Uh, but I remember one night we're sitting at the kitchen table and I have a glass or two or three of wine and we're just asking questions back and forth. And it, it almost seemed like a dance and that we're just getting to know each other and growing it, growing in that relationship. And, and the more I thought about it, I said, yeah, that's how we grow in relationship. And I thought more about questions and, and how there's almost different levels of questions, right? And so when I'm out walking the, the dog and you cross paths with a stranger and then, hi, how's it going? And we all know when the stranger asks, how's it going? The answer is fine, I'm fine. And we don't really give too much thought to it because if a stranger were to ask, how are you doing? And you were to give them the honest to goodness truth, 
they probably look at you like you have two heads because it's just way too much information. That's not what they're, not what they're looking for. But then you think about the question, say that a, a colleague were to ask you, you're going to pay a little bit more attention to, to that. Actually, as we were waiting to go on, I had a colleague was, was texting me questions about school stuff. But you'll pay more attention to that. When the boss walks in, you'll sit up and, and pay even more attention. I know when my wife asks me a question, I know it's time to put my phone down and really pay attention because it's, it's going to be important. Like the, and I, you got to get the answer right. Uh, to, to the point where I've developed a bit of a, a defense mechanism where my wife will ask a question and I'll just say, pardon, excuse me, so hopefully to get her to repeat it. So I, I make sure I get it right. But she's gotten on to that and she'll wait to make sure if I, if I really need her to repeat that or not. Uh, and then uh, I started, I, I started to think, so if I'm paying this much attention to all the, when Christ is asking the question, if there's anyone we have to sit up and pay attention to, it's Christ. And so I thought, yeah, that's really, it really is important to, to look at these questions and to, to delve into these questions that, that Christ is asking us uh, and what they mean for us. And as much as he asked them 2000 years ago, they're still so very pertinent for us today, still so very, very important for, yeah. for us in the world today. Yeah. And what's beautiful about the way you've laid out this book is you go through eight questions. And, um, you know, I think uh, a lot of times we're always asking the questions, God, why this? God, why that? And um, yet when you read you know, your Bible, you think of that passage of Job where, you know, he starts asking God the why. But then God says, now, listen, let me ask you a few questions. Mm -hmm. And it just turns everything around. And I think um, this is what you were trying to achieve uh, in your book was to say, let's look at eight questions uh, that were asked of our Lord and let's turn them around. Let's turn them around. And uh, it's amazing uh, how your relationship with the Lord builds after each chapter because you start to realize he proposed those questions to have a two-way conversation. A lot of times we interpret scripture that it's one way, but no, he, he wanted to be two-way. So let's uh, touch a little bit on the eight questions yeah, yeah. Uh, that you go through the book, because I think it's good dialogue. And um, again, uh, everyone can get this book through um, the publisher, Justin Press. Yes. And um, we'll put up the links in the show notes and uh, we'll give you all of uh, Robert's uh, YouTube pages, all of his contacts, uh, so that if you don't uh, get everything today, uh, you'll be able to look it up in the show notes. Show notes. So trust me, we'll we'll, we'll take care of you. Uh, but these eight questions that you go through, um, you know, simple questions like "Who do you say that I am?" Um, you know, "Why do you look for a sign?" <laughs> uh, all of these things. So let's let's talk a little bit about these questions because yeah. I think uh, again. I like asking questions. I don't like when people ask me questions mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. because the person who asked the questions in control. So um, anyway, but let's, let's talk a little bit about and, this. And, and, and it's funny, just as you were saying that, it had me thinking, it was one of my favorite quotes from Cardinal Collins. And Cardinal Collins always says, when we approach prayer and when we approach scripture, we're always saying, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. When really it, we should be, have the, the words of Samuel. 
and speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Sure. So yeah, so yeah, let's look at the questions. Uh, I, I have the the book here, and, and the reason why I have it here is I always remember the eight questions. I just never remember the order, so I always have to kind of go go, go through <laughs> and remember the the order that that I've put these in because otherwise I'll, I'll get lost. But no, it's it's all good. So. So the the first question, of course, who do you say that I am? That is the, the quintessential question of our faith, right? And, and, and how we answer that question changes everything, right? And when, when Christ asks, who do you say that I am? And I say this first question in this first, the, the gospel reading that I take that from, it's actually, uh, and there's a few of them that are like that. It's like, say it's a two for one because Christ actually asks two questions, in rapid succession and he first he asked the the apostles who who do people say to that i that i am you know who does the world say that i am and it makes you start to think who does the, the world say god should be and, and who should we replace god with and, and so right there there's just that introspection of how am i prioritizing my life what is what is most in, in important for me uh and i look at you know the world says that you know wealth is is a god right? and, and fame and power and, and health right and those are all then you just you have to watch the watch the television commercials to, to know what the world is portraying as our god but then christ says but who do you say that i am because you know the world was saying you're you're one of the prophets, you're Elijah, you're John the Baptist who's come back. So everyone but the Messiah. But then he asks, but who do you say that I am? Right? And, and this is the, the question that we have to, to look at. Who do we say Jesus is? Is he just a teacher? Was he just a good man? Is he on the same level as the Buddha or, or, or Muhammad? And, and the answer really lies with what Peter said. You are the Messiah, the, the son of the living God. And I always, when I talk about this question with my students, I'll say, I'll say like, who do, you say, who do you say Jesus is? Who is he? I say, when it comes down to it, you, there's only three answers. And it's uh, C.S. Lewis. Right? The, either he's a liar He's a lunatic, or he's the Lord. He's one of those three. And if, and if he was lying, he was the, the the devil incarnate, because so many people have gone to their deaths for that. Um, talk about you know, was he a lunatic? But he didn't behave like a lunatic. He was very coherent in his teaching. Um, uh, and C.S. Lewis, you know, said, you know to, to the level, it'd be like someone saying, I'm a hard-boiled egg, right, to do that. And he's, no. And so it really leaves us with the only option is he really was who he said he was. And he said he is. He is the Lord. And when we answer that way, when we come out and say, yes, Jesus is Lord, then all those other gods that the world has been giving us fall away right and when jesus is lord the way we approach 
our lives, the way we approach our relationships, the, the way we approach just getting out of bed in the morning changes and, yes. and, and, and for the better. And, and it's funny after, and it was th this reading came up somewhere towards the end of the Christmas season or, or beginning of Lent, this, this reading came up and I was meditating on that. And I thought, because at the end of each chapter, I have the three points to ponder, the three questions to, to ask of that. And I, it's one of those six months after the book is published, I come up with one for this particular question. And at the end of our earthly life, and we're standing before God in judgment, when we come to stand before Christ, if we were to ask Christ the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Robert is? Or who do you say that Al is? What is Christ going to answer? What would his answer be about us? Right? Mm -hmm. And so I, now when I'm sending out the books, I go to that page and I write a fourth question down there. You know, who would Jesus say that you are? And yes. so, because Very how we how we answer the first question, who we say Jesus is, is going to be reflected in what he says about us. Yeah. Uh, very sobering, very sobering. And this is what I love about how you've laid the book out. Um, you propose the question, uh, then you turn it around, you know, like you're going to always, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And of course they listed everything. And of course, Peter got the answer right when he said, you are the Christ. Um, but he's asking us the same question yeah. now and those little um study guides at the end those those little uh group discussions or just personal discussions you can have with yourself um as you ponder excellent i mean this is the school teacher coming out in you it's, it's <laughs> yes, when, yes, I, yeah. when i read this book i go this he must be a school teacher because he's just not you know doing chapter after chapter he's giving us homework He's making us, you know, study, reflect. And uh, this is the beautiful part. I mean, when we spend time with scripture, it, the whole idea is, is just to sometimes read the scripture, close it and ponder it and think about it and pray about it. And uh, each one of these questions in this book are those thoughts you will ponder. And uh, with your little quizzes at the end of each chapter, uh, you know, you can't help but do that. So again, uh, very good. This is a great beginning to the book. And of course, you just want to continue to read on and study uh, and ask those questions too. And so uh, we think of, um, you know, the second question is that one about, you know, does why does this generation ask for a sign? Yes. And I know they're still asking me for the sign too, you know, and you as a teacher, I think the kids I don't want to say kids, the children, the young adults. It's high school, they're young yeah, adults. young adults. They're asking you, you know, can you give me a sign? Because I, this is an invisible God, so um, make it happen for yeah. me there. You know, yeah, so. and, and that's the, the, the beauty of working with these young adults. I, I've, I've taught everything from grade one to grade 12 now, and, and each one is is wonderful and, and, and has its own charism if you like but these young adults and i usually work with the 14 15 and 16 year olds and they are searching and they they want to know the truth they want to, to hear what the truth is and i think it's because they're tired of being pulled in so many different directions 
right? The, the, the world is pulling them in so many different directions and they can't keep up and they just want to know, they, they want something solid that they can hold on to and something, they, they want the house built on rock, not built on, on sand. And whenever we do start talking about miracles or as uh, St. John says, signs, I'll always get a, at least one student will say, why doesn't God perform miracles for us anymore? Why, why don't miracles happen in the world anymore? And say, well, I think he does. We just don't know how to look for them anymore. Our, 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 our senses have been dulled. Our spiritual senses have been, been dulled by the, all the, 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 F, the, the FX, the, the, the special effects that go on uh, out in pop culture. And we're so used to when we go to the to the movies, uh, all the explosions and lights flashing and the, the loud music, that our, our physical senses are bombarded so much that our spiritual senses aren't attuned to to the miracles that are happening in our everyday lives, and we're always looking for that one-upmanship. You know, okay, that was. 103 years ago, you made the sun dance. That was nice. That was great. I figured, you know, bravo, well done. Now what are you going to do to top that? And it's, it's like when we read the story of, of Elijah and he's, God's going to pass and he's on the mountainside and there's the earthquake and there's the fire and there's the howling wind, but God isn't there. And it's in the, the, the gentle breeze that, that God comes through. And we, we just have to become attuned to these signs. And I really like the, the, the word that's used, sign. Uh, and and C.S. Lewis talks about this as well in his book, Miracles, that the, these are signposts that point towards God. So all of the miracles from the Old Testament are pointing towards Christ. And all of the miracles that, that Christ performs in the Gospels Point towards who he is and then all of the miracles that have happened afterwards point back to Christ and you know some of them are, are big signs like when we're on the the expressway and other ones are the the little road markers that are half hidden in the, in the foliage but they're all signs that point us to Christ and sometimes we have to search for the sign as well so. yeah. I mean you spoke very well in Sheen uh, Archbishop Sheen writes about, uh, he, he coins them as sensationalist. They want something that's sensational uh, for them to believe. Yet, uh, what has our faith taught us? It's in what's beautiful. Uh, nature will convert people to God uh, very easy. They can just look at nature and find the Lord. They see the magnificence of God's creation. All these things that I'm sure that young people pick up on. Uh, but, you know, I think of the third question that you um, ask or propose in the book, and it's really, it's my favorite, because it's like, when Jesus says, what would you like me to do for you? Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I wish yeah. he would ask me that question. <laughs> and he was right there, because I, I got a list this long, right? So, uh, But that be, question... care be careful, be careful. And I said, because that's the question that kind of started the whole book with Bartimaeus. Right? And I say, be careful, it's right before Christ asked that to Bartimaeus, as they were approaching Jericho, he's walking along with the apostles. And 
there was the, the, the Sons of Thunder, the, the, the two brothers. And of course, uh, right now the, the names are is it James and John. So James and John are arguing about you know, who's going to be greatest and who's going to get to sit at, the, at his left and his right. right? And so they're arguing, and he knows what they're arguing about. And he says, and he says to them, what do you want me to do for you? Right? And they said, well, we want in your kingdom to sit one on your left and one on your right. And his reply was, do you know what you're asking for? And this isn't for me to give. This isn't this, this who sits on my left and right isn't for, for me to give. It's almost like they're asking the impossible. And that's why I say, be careful what you're asking. You know, when you say, oh, Jesus, I want, I would love for Christ to say, what do you want me to do for you? Because it's all in the way that you ask it. And when I do the, the retreat, when I give the talk, I have two pictures. And there's the picture of the apostles. And you can see they're, they're aggressive looking in it. They're demanding of Christ. And then a few verses later, there's Bartimaeus. And, and Christ asks him the exact same question, word for word. What do you want me to do for you? And his response, you know, he starts off, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm not worthy. He didn't even feel worthy to, to approach. He was calling from, from afar. And Jesus asks him, he does have mercy on him. He does take pity on him. So what do you want me to do for you? And he's, I, I want to be able to see. I want to see. And really, that's something we all need to be asking for. But and if I were to take my glasses off, yes, I'd be asking to be able to see physically as well. I wouldn't be able to see from, from me to the computer where, where you are right now. But it's with the eyes of our heart. And it's the eyes of our heart that have been blinded. And, our, and we, we need that spiritual sight. And it's because it was asked in searching for mercy, and, and he was asking to be able to see Jesus, that it was granted. And think about how wonderful that would be. You've never seen for your whole life. And the, fr the first person you see is Christ. Yes. Yeah, how beautiful is that? And so that's why I say you, you need to be careful. You know, yeah. What do you want Jesus to do for you? But it all comes down as to who you're asking, or not who you're asking, but how you're asking. Right. I mean, we always ask for mercy. I mean, that is one of the greatest uh, things that we can ask for because uh, we're in so need of mercy. We're sinners. Yes. Uh, we couldn't call Jesus Savior if we weren't sinners. So, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Yes. Um, you know, I think of uh, those questions of who do you say I am, you know, and people always say, you know, whom are you looking for? What are you looking for? Uh, those are other questions that you ask that I think uh, just lead in nicely here because it's, it's those, I don't know if they call it the four W's, the five W's, but we sometimes say what, where, one, why, what, where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but yet the scriptures have the answer and Christ has the answer, uh, but we need to have that dialogue with him. And um, again, your reflections create that dialogue and uh, you know how you just bring the scriptures in because really this is for many an encounter with Christ, sometimes for the first time, for the first time. I know as you're teaching high school students, um, you can't assume that they've um, been going to mass all their lives. They have, can't assume that they have the greatest catechesis. Um, 
all of this stuff, but um, for many of them, uh, this is possibly their first encounter where you're challenging them to a question and answer period yes. uh, with God. So uh, let's continue on that, uh, the, the W's, I call it. So yeah. uh, you're very good at that. I, I, I have to share a story with you. You're saying as, as far as not assuming that there's been any kind of faith formation with, with my students. And when they come in in grade nine, we have students that come from the, the Catholic school system. We have some that come from the public school system. In this past year, uh, like the, the first prayer I like to teach my grade nines is the Angelus. And we'll go through and and uh, and we'll go through word by word because there's also the added challenge that it's in French, and so for a lot of them the vocabulary is all new as well. And so we're teaching the Angelus, and we, we were praying the Angelus for about two weeks, and there was one young gentleman in the front row, and I, I finally twigged in after two weeks of praying the Angelus because I'll usually try to meditate, and I don't want to be scanning the class because I don't want the students to think that I'm evaluating them on their, their prayer life. But I happened to see this one guy and it was, as, as we're starting the prayer, we're making the sign of the cross and he looked like he was the, the third base coach for a, a major league baseball team. And he was do, doing all the, the signs and it's like, okay, we got to back this right up and we got to start right at, right at the beginning. Uh, but that's again the, the the beauty of of working with those working with those kids is you you start right and they want to learn it they 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 they're, they're really interested and they and they, and they want to have that faith but so talking about the yeah you said the, the the five w's of the of the book so um, you you raised the question you know whom are you looking for right and Again, that's almost linked to the very first question. Who do you say that I am? Whom are you looking for? If we're not looking for Christ, whereas it's like we're looking in all the wrong places then. And sometimes when we are searching for Christ, we're also looking in, in, in the wrong places. And I think it was with that question, it was as I, as I got further in, it was when I was meditating and writing on the sixth or seventh question and the order they're in the book isn't necessarily the order that I, I, I wrote them in. And it was with that question. And Jesus asked Mary Magdalene, whom are you looking for? And she realizes who it is. And she says, teacher. And it was at that point I realized like you were just saying all of the answers are in scripture. So Christ asks us all of these questions and we do this deep, meditation on them and this contemplation but the answer is right there and each time that he asks that the question is whoever he's speaking with provides us with the with that answer right? like we said with Bartimaeus what what do you want me to do for you I want to be able to see Who you say yes. that I am right uh, and it, it's really amazing when when we look at that, one of one of my favorite questions actually is the last one, and it's the the last question that that Christ asks before he ascends back to the Father after his resurrection, and and Christ and Peter are walking along the beach on the, at the Sea of Galilee, and Christ asks Peter, "Do you love me?" Right? And it's, it's when I was contemplating that, the, the first thing I thought of 
is as a teenager and you're, you're out walking with your, your first love, your first girlfriend. And the question is, do you love me? And there's that question puts the fear right into your heart. Do you love me? And you better get the answer right or, or else. And the big trouble. But the same with Christ. You better get the answer right or else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say, too, it's, you know, this is possibly one of my, my favorite stories because it starts with grilled fish. Right? And, I, and I love grilled fish. And, uh, and as we, we, we chatted a, a bit before and, and realized that both, both of our wives are, are Portuguese, uh, I love a good grilled sardine. Right? And so when, and so when, I, when I read this story, I imagine that Jesus and the apostles are having a breakfast of grilled sardines. Do you love me? And bread too, you know. And bread. And a, and a good pop, pop, pop stick pop with mantega. <laughs> and the, the, the queijo Saint-Georges. Like this, yes. the, uh, um, do you love me? And, and Peter's a little bit put out that Jesus would ask me. Yes, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. And then Jesus gives him a command, feed my sheep. And then he asks him a second time. And it's actually, he calls him Simon. So Simon Barjona, do you love me? And it's, it's always one of those things too. In this story, it comes out, you know, when you were a kid, you knew you were in trouble when your mom used all of your names, first, middle, last, right? And so here... Jesus is calling Simon Bar-Jonah. He's in trouble. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. And then Jesus asks a third time, and this time scripture tells us that Peter was really put out. Like, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And so as much as he's asking us this question, yes, Lord, we love you. You know that I love you, Lord. I might not always show it, but you know that I, I love you. But because we love him, he's given us this command to feed his sheep, to, to, to nourish them, to, to, to feed them with his word and, and with the catechesis and with the, and with the faith. But that middle one is tend my sheep so it's not just to nourish them not just to feed them but to tend them to protect them and then so you have to think who who are these sheep that that christ is giving us and it's our our families our our children our families uh, our friends our colleagues Uh, for me it's my my students as well And, and we're called to feed them with the faith and to, to look after them and to, to nurture them as well. Amen. And um, that is a question that I think will burn uh, in the ears of many a good soul. Do you love me? And um, I know we'll hear it from our children, from our wives, and God asks us that each day, do you love me? And I think we need to be asked that question uh, because again, uh, sometimes the answer is, Kind of, kind of, you know, and you want it to be changed to, yes, Lord, I love you. So, 
But uh, speaking of love, I want to share some love, of course, with our partners, uh, Patchwork Heart Ministries, uh, who have helped us a great deal. And so uh, I just want to take a little break and, uh, of course, um, uh, play what I like to call the commercial, but uh, uh, play again, uh, just trying to introduce this beautiful ministry to you, our viewers. So we'll be right back on Hungry for More with my guest, Robert LeBlanc. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. Hey everyone, it's Anne DeSantis here to tell you about my new online TV show called Journeys in Faith. Thanks to Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Radio, I'll be interviewing some amazing guests who will share with all of us their journeys in faith. It's going to be great, and I can't wait for you to be introduced to some truly good people who are working hard to bring deeper faith to others. It's all about relationship with God and living out our mission as intentional disciples. Join me on Fridays, Eastern Time, for Journeys in Faith, 8.30 to 9.30. Subscribe at Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry on both Facebook and YouTube. I'll see you Friday, and have a great week. God bless. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Hungry for More, here with my guest, uh, Robert LeBlanc from uh, Canada. Of course, this is kind of a, a Canadian edition today. Now, uh, again, we both are, I want to say, international speakers because of the internet. And it's amazing how uh, people will find us. Uh, I have a few followers in France and um, uh, in Africa. I mean, Africa is a big continent, but uh, they email me and say they enjoy watching us and uh, hearing what we have to say. So thank you for uh, tuning in and this global outreach. And, uh, you know, speaking of global outreach, um, uh, Robert, you were involved with uh, a Catholic online conference uh, by a group called Smart Catholic. So uh, again, as we said in the introduction, uh, these internet um, conferences are here to stay. Um, I think they will be on the increased and, um, Again, you're going to see more and more of them. And uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, we both have a YouTube channel. We both produce our own uh, uh, material, but uh, we get invited to speak at uh, these conferences. So tell us about Smart Catholic and uh, your experience uh, with the digital online conference. Well, first of all, I have to say, uh, you can't say a joke. You can't tell me a joke about me participating in Smart Catholics that I haven't heard from. My, my friends already, or especially from, from family. What are, what are you doing on smart Catholics? Uh, don't you have to be smart to, to be that? Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I was invited, and, and the way it came about, uh, I know Dominic de Souza, I've done, done some work with him on, on some other things before, uh, but a, a mutual friend of ours, Monica McConkie, who's actually a good friend of mine that I went to high school with, uh, sent me the invitation to, to speak with, with that. And um, I think Monica does great work herself. She has uh, 
uh, a ministry of doing art and craft catechesis work for, for children, um, equipping Catholic families. Uh, so she put me into contact with, with Dominic and uh, so they went through the process of putting together a proposal for, for what he was looking for. Uh, he wanted to keep the talks shorter, so in the 15-minute range, and he said, present it like a, like a TED Talk. Uh, uh, he said, keep it shorter, 15 minutes. For me, 15 minutes is actually on the longer side, because at a Catholic moment, I try to keep it as a moment, and, and nice and short. Uh, and so it was, almost, it was, in a lot of ways, it was like doing the internet ministry, because the these uh, conferences are not necessarily done live. Everything's pre-recorded so that they can upload them and, and get it all together, which was kind of nice in some ways because could do two or three or five takes to, to get it done right. But on the other hand, then you're so hung up on getting everything perfect that it takes a, a lot longer to, to put together. With the Smart Catholics Conference, though, one of the, the neat things that they did is they had a, a Facebook group that was ongoing during the weekend. And so some of the speakers, we were invited to do a live session for that. Uh, and it was the first time I'd ever done a Facebook Live. And of course, like you said at the beginning, uh, it seems sometimes Satan doesn't want things to work and everything crashed five minutes before I was set to go and managed to get in at five seconds too. And I was all flustered and it was, it wasn't my best moment. We'll, we'll, we'll say that, but having that Facebook group on the side promoted a real sense of community and for both the speakers and the participants. And we felt like we got to, to make friends and connections with the, the other people that were part of the conference. So it was almost like you were, physically together uh, and able to chat and mix and mingle. So it was, uh, it was fantastic experience for that. And then also too, just the, the, the speakers that put together and uh, just the, the, the amount of content that is there. Uh, and whether it was the Smart Catholics Conference or the, the Theology of the Body the week before the, or the, the Chastity, the project the week after, uh, there's just so much great content out there. It's, it's almost impossible to, to get through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My experience has been is that uh, you gave an excellent talk. Um, you, of course, I would invite people to uh, look at some of your YouTube videos on Catholic moment. And um, you talk about uh, being a, an ass for Christ and uh, yes you know that's you you're famous for that I'm the gas man but you're and I'm you're, the ass man yeah yeah <laughs> so <laughs> and and we won't spoil it we'll let people watch it a little bit later but uh, you know you're the hands at the feet of Christ um, but sometimes you have to be the donkey so uh, yeah. again it's so beautiful but I think you 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 know you you got it right when you said it's a community um, we're in this together. And uh, yes, for many of the churches have been closed and uh, you know, the events that we were so used to going to, Catholic conferences, parish missions, uh, they've all been um, you know, postponed. And so at least we were, I mean, I have seen so many what I call A-list speakers now that I could only dream about seeing in my lifetime 
uh, but they're all available on the internet, so it's beautiful that way. And, um, you know, I find that uh, the priests um, give excellent talks, and I think, you know, I love lay evangelists, and there's a place for them in the church, but I truly, truly try to say to people, remember, priests have a special grace yes. through their sacrament yeah. to preach and teach. So, um, you know, try to incorporate some good priests that you trust on the internet um, to feed you because um, we're missing those homilies. Um, you know, the online homilies, sometimes, again, the internet connections, maybe not the best or um, you know, again, we're not in the great uh, disposition or mood <laughs> to to listen, but uh, carve out that time. And I know that you've been very good at preaching silence, uh, preaching how important it is to uh, carve out some silence. So maybe you could share uh, a little bit of your own personal prayer life and how you've recommended yeah. this, um, you know, I guess, program to so many people. Well, it it comes back to the, the story I was sharing before that, that God whispers to us, right? God is, God isn't in the, the thunder. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. God's in the, in the gentle breeze and he whispers to us. And actually it was when we were traveling through Portugal five years ago, uh, when we would visit the, the parishes throughout the, we were in the Azores and at the entrance to all the parishes, they had, a, a sign like a, a poster and it was something along the lines of God's not going to text you on your phone he's not going to call you you're not going to see him on a Facebook post God will speak to you in the silence of your heart right? so in other words put the phone away and spend time with with God uh, and so I have been very blessed that I can normally incorporate this even into my workday. In that I'm very blessed to be a, a high school teacher where we have the chapel and we have the Blessed Sacrament. So when I arrive at school, that's my first stop and I can spend my five to 10 minutes in silence. And it was actually a practice I started, I was reading Matthew Kelly of all people and uh, rediscovering Catholicism. Uh, and he talked about needing to find that minimum of 15 minutes of silence every day to be one with the Lord. And I know Bishop Sheen, too, he talks about that. You know, every priest needs to make a holy hour. You need to carve out that time of silence to, to pray with the Lord, to, to lay everything out at the, at the Lord's feet, as well as to listen to how he answers. And so this the silent prayer has become a, an integral part of my prayer life. And whether it's doing Lectio Divina in the morning or just being out in silence, praying as I, as I walk, or in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. And again, it's a, I always talk about the beauty and the, and the students, my, my, my high school students searching for for these connections with God. Uh, it's one of the things we do is on Fridays, is I will take my class for the last 15 minutes of class down to the chapel. And the way it's laid out, it's great because there's, it's a big plate glass sliding door at the front of the chapel. So we're actually able to stand outside and I'm able to talk to them about what's going on inside the chapel. And the, the first lesson is we're standing outside the, the window and the, the chapel is empty. So, there's somebody in there. 
and I'm, I'm pointing behind you because I'm usually standing with my back to the channel. There's somebody, and the kids are all looking like, oh, it's empty. Who's in? Oh, no, they're, and then the, God's in there. Yeah, you're right. God's in there. And Jesus, yeah, Jesus is in there. Jesus is there physically that if you wanted to, you could touch him. And finally, they, they clue in. He's in the, the Eucharist in the tabernacle. And we know that because the sanctuary lamp is on and, and there's this catechesis. Okay, we're going to go in now and we'll start with prayer. We'll do the gospel reading of the day. And then I'm just going to ask you to sit in silence. And if you want to see a room full of teenagers squirm, have them sit in silence, right? Even for five minutes. And the first time we do maybe two minutes because that's all they can handle. And then I'll, I'll lengthen that time. And it gets to the point where after two or three weeks, they'll say, are we going to the chapel today? Are we going? And I've, and I've asked them to anonymously write me, what do you, and they love having the ability to disconnect from the world. And just, and it's almost like they're, they're relieved to have an excuse or a teacher is making us sit in silence. I can't answer my phone, right? And they're starting to realize that they need to have that silence in their life. Because again, we can be constantly bombarded with noise. And even when we're sitting quietly, and I can be the first one that's guilty, that I'll be sitting quietly and I'll take my phone and it will be YouTube or it'll be playing the card games or, or, or whatnot. That's not sitting silently. It has to be put away. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you know, this is... Um... This is the challenge. That cell phone uh, owns so many of our young people and young adults and even us mature people. Um, I'm afraid sometimes when my phone says, you've only spent seven hours on the phone today, I went, oh, that's six hours too many, you know, it's yes, yeah, uh, yeah. crazy. But I think it's a, a lesson well learned uh, to uh, carve out silence, to make it um, Part of your day and it's great to hear that the students uh, are picking up on that because i think of that beautiful scripture be still and know that i am god exactly and amen they know amen. that god is in the building and it's beautiful to, for them to recognize that jesus is present in the tabernacle at your high school so and he's present in all the tabernacles in our community and i think sometimes this is what we forget in this time of um you know um I just want to say stay-at-home orders. Uh, I know the Lord is down the street. The Lord is present in the tabernacle at my local church here. And uh, I just have to, uh, you know, think of him, remember him, and put myself in his presence as best I can. Uh, but silence is the key. So, uh, again, we'll... We'll end with that lesson. I, I will have to have you back on the show again. We didn't even talk about men's ministry. Yeah. We didn't talk about uh, uh, so many things. But uh, I know this is a beautiful part of our conversation is that we're talking about what we're passionate about. And that's yeah. sharing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with the world. And, um, uh, you know, we I think of what Bishop Sheen taught us. It's that beautiful story that God so loved the world that he came, took on human flesh, and he went to the cross to die for our sins. Um, I want to tell everybody about that. And uh, again, to instruct uh, those people, to tell them the good news. So, uh, Robert, are you doing feed, feed great? Feed his sheep. Feed his sheep. Feed his sheep, yes, absolutely. 
All right. Uh, again, our hour went by so quickly. So uh, thank you again for joining us. We always end with a little bit of prayer to uh, asking for a spiritual favor from uh, the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. So I'll ask uh, my producer, Kent, to put up the picture and we'll pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Eternal Father, you alone grant us every blessing in heaven and on earth through the redemptive mission of your divine Son, Jesus Christ, and by the working of the Holy Spirit. If it be according to your will, glorify your servant, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, by granting the favor we now request through his prayerful intercession. And here we'll pray for the many lay evangelists on the internet that God will continue to bless their apostolic work. And we make this prayer confidently through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Everyone, until next week, may the Lord continue to bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. We'll see you again next time on another edition of Hungry for More. Here with your host, Al Smith. God love you. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.